Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. Who would you say would be the best witness to talk to you about God? That's what our readings talk to us about today, and they bring to us who those great witnesses are to tell others about Christ. 
Order of service is found in your worship folder or on screen. Let's begin at this time with our opening hymn, 582. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Let us confess our sins to the Lord. Almighty and merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed what we have devised and desired in our hearts. We have offended you and sinned against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have do not done those things that we should have done. Have mercy on us, Lord. Spare us, forgive us, and restore us, according to your promises in Christ Jesus.
God, our merciful Father, has forgiven all of our sins. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our Redeemer and our Savior. Jesus paid that penalty for our guilt by his death on the cross. And he freed us from death by his resurrection from the grave. We have peace with God now and forever. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you sent your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to destroy the works of the devil and protect us poor people against such an evil foe. Uphold us in all afflictions by your Holy Spirit so that we may have peace from such enemies and remain forever blessed through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is from Isaiah 43. So who's the best witness to the word of God, to his power? Well, that's easy. The best one from Isaiah is God himself. And you see here, there is no one like him. He has no equal. And look what he does for people. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I, and not some foreign God among you, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am He. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Continue with our psalm of the day.
Second Timothy chapter 1. Somebody was just mentioning to me this morning how as you age and are far along in life, losing your gifts and abilities, you start to just, at least from this person's perspective, you have your days where you just feel like maybe you're useless. Uh-uh. Listen closely to this lesson. You are some of the best witnesses. Grandparents. Parents. Oh, does God ever have a use for you? Share the word with those closest to you. That happened here. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul is remembering Timothy. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, 
love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The sermon is based on these words from Luke chapter 8, but just a brief intro. Who are some of the best witnesses of the gospel? Even those who have maybe some of the worst sins on their account, but have seen the grace of God. Consider this lesson. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out and begged to go with them, But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn.
in the name of the Almighty, Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dear fellow believers, that'll never happen. That'll be the day, yeah, when, sure, when hell freezes over. I'll believe that when pigs fly. You know, we have such colorful expressions in the English language for expressing and conveying something is never going to happen. After all, hell is never going to freeze over. It is an eternal furnace. And it doesn't take much to see. God didn't create pigs with wings when he created them, and they are never going to fly in the sky. Those things are never going to happen. Which is exactly what I think the people around this demon-possessed man thought in the community around him. And they had every right to think that, didn't they? This is never going to change. This situation is never going to stop from what it is. After all, we've tried everything. <laughs> we've shackled the man. We've chained him hand and foot. We've reasoned with him. We've tried to clothe him. We've put him under guard. We have tried to help him in every way humanly possible. But nothing. The man breaks free. And they did this according to the Greek language over and over again. They were trying. And the man would break free. And rip his clothes off. And run off and go live in the tombs. And cut his own body in places and scream and shriek at the top of his lungs and terrorize the entire area. Who would blame them for thinking this was an impossible situation? This was never going to change. Yeah, maybe it would change when pigs fly. You understand... There's something behind the scenes of our lesson today that we need to just make very, very clear and spell it out. Satan and his demons are extremely powerful against people. And do you understand there are different levels of demon possession? It's an interesting study. Do you know what we call it when Satan and his demons are the only influence, control, power, force over somebody's soul and over somebody's mind. Do you know what you call that? Sure, you could say demon possession, yeah. But the Bible has a very, well, another term for it that's very, very basic. It's called unbelief. Does that surprise you? That's exactly what an unbeliever is. It's somebody who is under the control of Satan and his demons and they are exerting their influence on that person's mind and on their soul. That's demon possession, in a sense. Jesus said the same thing in John, in John chapter 8 to the Jews. He said to the Jews who were not believing him, he said, you belong to your father, the devil. Talk about a Father's Day, horrific story. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out what your father desires. You are under his influence, is what he's saying. You're under his control. That is a type of demon possession. But there's a second level of demon possession. 
That's when Satan or his demons inhibit or inhabit a person. And they specifically dwell and take up the location of that individual person. Maybe you've heard of the movie The Exorcist. Came out in 1973. Did you know it was based on a real event? An actual demon possession case that took place in 1949? These things happen. And it's fascinating when you look at the history of the United States, actually demon possession in the United States had an uptick during the 1960s and 1970s. I wonder why. Because when people who are under Satan's general control and influence, when they persist in sin and leave the door open for these things, oh, he doesn't mind taking advantage of that. What particular sins flourished in the 60s and in the 70s to which Satan and his demons had an opportunity? Well, the three main ones. Flourishing of free love outside of the bonds of marriage. What else? Rampant use of drugs, which is mind-changing and mind-altering. And alcohol consumption, off the charts. The man in our lesson today was demon-possessed in that sense. Demons actually inhabited him, and I gave it away. We don't know how, we don't know what happened in this man's life to bring this scenario about. The Bible doesn't tell us, but the one thing it does tell us is it was more than one. When Jesus inquired what this man's name was, the demons responded with legion in Roman military language. Do you understand that a legion is more than 6,000? Talk about an impossible situation. Who of us could take on just one? Let alone more than 6,000 demons. Yeah, yeah, maybe we could do it when pigs fly, right? It's to this situation Jesus and his disciples sail. And they arrive at the Sea of Galilee, southeast side, the Gerizines area, and it's a, it's a general area. It's a Gentile area, so not Jews were living there. That's why there were pigs there. And Jesus gets out of the boat. And we're told immediately <clears throat> he's confronted by this demon-possessed man. This demon-possessed man runs up to him. A naked man runs up to him. Maybe he's bleeding. Maybe he has scars. Maybe he has scabs. And he falls down at Jesus' feet and he shouts out at the top of his lungs. Boy, I find it fascinating you never hear one word from the disciples in all of this. Bold Peter, who's always quick with a, with a word or something... He says nothing. If it were me, if it were you, and you see this, would you have even gotten out of the boat? So Jesus gets out of the boat, he's standing on shore, and in rushes this man, and he speaks, and he says this, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. Fascinating. All of these demons recognize the Most High God. Here Jesus has hidden his glory, tucked away his divinity, though it's there, his divinity and humanity. 
And he's hiding his glory of who he truly is. And every one of these demons recognizes who God is. And he's scared to death. And that's not all. Every one of these demons recognizes the consequences of what it rightfully deserves for being opposed to the Most High God. Don't torture me. The demon begged and pleaded, which means it was over and over again. Not just a one-time thing. It kept doing this. Lastly, I want to point out to every one of you, these demons and Satan, they do not know the future. Driving down to Florida on vacation, there were some signs down in the Florida Keys about fortune tellers. And thinking about this lesson, Satan has no idea what the future is other than he's lost. Do you see that spelled out here very, very clearly? What do you want with me, Son of God Most High? It has no idea what the will of God is. The only thing the demons recognize is who God is, his accountability to God, and they are ever afraid of the power of God. Are you? I find it fascinating, based on uh, some of the studies that came about this last week from our pastor's conference that took place over in Appleton, we looked at a lot of charts and studies of what happened in the last uh, 120 years in the United States. Since 1960, guess what's happened to church attendance? Guess what's happened with Christians and Christianity in general? Do you think it's gone up? Do you think it stayed the same or do you think it's gone down? It has drastically gone down in the number of atheists and agnostics and no affiliation with religion has skyrocketed especially in the last 10 years. Well, I wonder why. What have you seen flourish across our country in the last 10 to 15 years? Boy, you can have any kind of loving relationship today, can't you? And it just has to be accepted and it's the right thing and society looks on this as the greatest thing since sliced bread. What else has flourished? You understand we live in the state of Wisconsin and alcohol consumption is not necessarily modest in this state, is it? And it doesn't take much. All you have to do is go talk to a police officer, firefighter, paramedic, or talk to somebody who works in the ER, especially on the weekend around here, and you will see very, very clearly that drugs are running rampant all around the area. It's all-inclusive sin, isn't it? Why is it the demons fall at the feet of God and recognize His power and authority and we don't? Why is it the demons recognize the consequences they deserve eternally in hell, eternal torment, and for whatever reason, we don't think of that before we get into sin and sometimes with the excuses we make even after we've gotten into it. And then sometimes we act like that community of the man around who, uh, who is demon-possessed, the community around him, oh, maybe somebody else can finally deal with it. Maybe if he just goes and lives alone for a while in those tombs, maybe he'll just go away. Maybe something will happen that will just fix it. And so we incubate ourselves sometimes as Christians too, don't we? Oh, those things are going on out there. Maybe somebody else will fix it. Maybe somebody else will deal with it. Maybe if I just look the other way, the problem is just going to go away. That's not how it works with sin. 
Maybe we could even say, ah, maybe science over the years is just going to advance so far. Finally, the power of science is going to undo the power of this Most High God that these religious people are duped by. And finally, science will have its powerful day. Only when pigs fly. It's interesting that in confronting this situation, Jesus, as he deals with this demon-possessed man, he had commanded the demon or demons to come out. There was no question they were going to come out. The only question in this scenario was, where would they go to? Would they go directly to hell, or would Jesus grant some kind of reprieve and let them have a little time outside of the, the wretched abyss of hell? And Jesus granted them permission. He granted them permission to enter the pigs. I hope you understand two things from what Jesus permitted. One, whatever the demons thought they would get by being outside of hell was only short-lived, and they went very, very quickly after this whole episode. They went directly to hell. Any kind of excuses you and I make to sin, if we think it's going to avoid the eternal consequences... (laughs) those excuses are going to be very, very short-lived. It just, it won't work in the long run. The second thing is whenever Satan and his demons touch something, they destroy it. Look at what Satan did to Job. Wrecked his life, took away his kids, ravaged his flocks and herds and servants, brought Hardship into his marriage? Look at what Satan wanted to do to Peter. Jesus warned Peter before Jesus died. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. And when Satan did and led Peter to deny Jesus three times, how it brought destruction to the life and heart and faith of Peter. And now it did the exact same things when they entered the pigs. Just ravaged the pigs. But they flew. The pigs flew down that hill. They raced down that hill. They sped down that hill right over the edge and into the water where they were destroyed. And now what's left? Only the work of God. And as our lens turns back from the destruction of the demons and the pigs... And the lens turns back to that man who had been possessed. There he is sitting, fully clothed, at the feet of Jesus, in his right mind. And before him is the one who rescued him, body and soul. That's power. That's power to save. We have a baptism in second service. I want to ask you today, what do you think this does? What does baptism do? Do you understand we bring a child, an infant, somebody who's under the influence of Satan and wickedness, who has no spiritual life, 
And we bring that child to this baptismal font by the promise of God and by his power he takes somebody under Satan's influence and control and he miraculously makes that person by water and the word, by the work of God, a believer, a member of God's family. Do you understand that Lutherans historically have looked at baptism as a type of exorcism? Almost exactly the same what happened in our lesson today. That's the power of God. That's what God does to bring life. To put things in their right place. And so here we've gathered together today in the house of the Lord. Why? We've come before God most high. We've come to tell him the truth because we have the God of truth. The word devil means a liar. And that's what Satan is, the father of lies. We've come here to tell God the truth about what just happened this past week again in our lives and to confess to the Lord our sins and to repent for these things. And God in response comes here to meet us, to tell us the truth. You're forgiven. You're restored and made a child of God again. And God, by the work of the gospel, sets us in our right minds again. Right with God. Right with ourselves. And right with one another. Can you imagine what that former demon-possessed man thought? And I think this is the clincher of why Jesus allowed what he did with the pigs and the demons. Because now you see that man in his right mind standing before Jesus and he sees a legion of demons are gone. And there they go, flying, racing right down the hill. And there they go, off into the water. And he sees they're out of me and now they're in the water and they're dead and they're completely gone from me by the power of the one who stands right before me. That man must have been ecstatic. Jesus did it for his benefit. Do you see the one by the power of the gospel who stands right before you? Dear Christians, and it's not like the movie The Exorcist. It's not spouting Latin at people that this stuff happens. It's not by waving a crucifix before people that this stuff happens. It's by sharing the gospel. Because in that gospel, Jesus stands right before somebody. With his perfect life is the God-man who took our place. With his death by which he paid for all sins, for all sinners on that cross. By his death, which he entered and shattered it. And by the power of his resurrection that he guarantees this for you. That in this gospel, he's yours. And by this gospel, God makes you his. It started right there. It continues Sunday and Monday, every time we're in the word, with the power of the gospel that's proclaimed to you in the sermon and service. And it's given to you and refreshed in you by the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. You're his. 
Who could blame this former demon-possessed man from wanting to be a full-time disciple of Jesus and go with him and get away from it all? After all, Jesus, if you look in the context of Luke, was still looking for full-time disciples. He was still calling them. But he said, no. That wasn't the will of God for him. Instead, Jesus told him, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And the man listened. And so this man with such a checkered past, he goes to all of these townsfolk, these people who knew him, who knew he had been possessed, who knew there was a legion, who knew the the shackles that were on his hands and the scars that were on his body, and who knew this man ran around naked and lived in the tombs for a period of his life. But now they saw that wasn't his future. Jesus was. And by the power of the gospel made it happen. He became a powerful witness. That's what you are too. Because you've heard this gospel. Because you've seen pigs fly. Eh, Maybe not exactly. Maybe not exactly. But in the sense it means that you have. You've seen in Christ the impossible happen. Where God has taken sinful people and made them his dearly loved children. Tell the world about it. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. may be seated for prayer. Eternal Lord, give us peace as we ponder the good news that you forgive our sins in Christ. Lead us to see clearly the path you have laid out for us. Work in us so that we believe and live the word we have heard today. Provide courage and compassion to all who preach and teach your word. Fill them with a love like yours as they proclaim your grace to us and all people. Guard and guide the families of our congregation. Lead husbands and wives to love each other with commitment, respect, and patience. Help parents to grasp the eternal value of keeping their children close to Jesus all their lives. Grant joy to those who are single and make them a blessing to others. Provide wisdom and insight to those who make laws and set policies. Give us respect for those who protect us from crime. 
Lead us to value the rights of our fellow citizens and to defend those who cannot defend themselves. Give us passion to share the story of your love with our family and friends. Overcome unbelief and open the hearts of people everywhere to believe the good news that Jesus has forgiven their sins and opened the gates of heaven. Extend your healing power to those who are sick and suffering in body or mind. Heavenly Father, Arlene Hoppe has been so close to death and close to entering her heavenly home since really the beginning of last week. Please grant her rest soon and grant her relief by your mighty power. We praise you for your power at work this morning in Bristol Wolfert in her baptism. Bless her all her days to be yours. We also ask your protection, your power, and your blessing be on Christian fathers today and every day. And lastly, Lord, bless us all to be your witnesses. Give patience and compassion to all who care for the sick and dying. And hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence. Gracious God, you govern and direct all things, and you love all people. Hear our prayers, spoken and silent, and answer them in your wisdom and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue with our next hymn, hymn 746, and just a note about this. We will sing stanzas 1, 7, and 3. 1, 7, and 3.
blessed Lord, you have given us your holy scriptures for our learning. May we so hear them, read, learn, and take them to heart, that being strengthened and comforted by your holy word, we may cling to the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.